Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Canyas, and today I have with me Colby Allen, consultant and financial analyst at Agency Focus. Colby, how's it going today? You know, uh, usually my joke in Louisiana that it's always hot, but since we had the first two days of fall, my tone has shifted and now it's cold, so I'm wearing long sleeves. So, um, Okay, so cold in Louisiana is not like 58 Woke up this morning, it was in the 50s, which for us is cold, but I know others, not quite so much, but yeah. Yes, 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 yes. All right. All right, all right. Um, we always give the, the guests the chance to, uh, to give the elevator pitch. What What is Agency Focus? So our brand is Agency Focus, where we focus on agencies. We are a financial consulting firm that works strictly with independent agency owners to understand the value of their agency and have action steps to grow that over time. So oftentimes agency owners come to us to get a fair market valuation of their agency if they're preparing to either sell or retire. We help through that process. But also we do fractional CFO services and financial consulting to help them understand the financial operations to understand the numbers in very concrete ways to use that to grow their agency. Okay. Okay. So so we have lots of, of, of agency listeners. About, about half of the, of the listeners are, are agency side. Um, why, why is it hard to know the value of your agency? Uh, that's a fantastic question. And I'll start with maybe approaching a common myth that people just use and that you hear quite often. Usually when you hear stories of people selling their agency, oftentimes the first thing they think of is, well, the value of my agency is a multiple of revenue two times, three times, four times. In some cases, now you're mm -hmm. hearing five or six times revenue. <laughs> and so the real question is, well, how do they even come to that figure? And the way that we try to approach answering that question is really understanding, one, the cash flow potential of the agency. And then two, mm -hmm. the most important factor actually that dives into the agency's value is who's the potential buyer. Okay. So you hear stories of these very large multiples, but what is often not discussed are the details that built up to that part of the story and who the agency was, how they operated it, uh, and then also who was buying that agency. Because it can be a very different story if it's an internal transaction, say from a family member to their children, or even another employee, or selling to a national agency that's backed by private equity or even a publicly traded firm. So um, our goal is to really dive into those conversations with owners to understand what is their end goal in terms of their retirement plans, who they want to sell to, and then help them take concrete steps to make that a reality. Okay. Um, okay. How long before uh, I want to retire should I be giving you guys a call? Well, that's the question, is how optimized do you actually want to sell your agency for? So the biggest problem right now, I mean, you know this well and probably better than most, that the retirement cliff that's in our industry is massive. Mm -hmm. And that applies very well also to agency owners. And so I think there's some agencies that we work with where in their staffing mix, we see in the next five to 10 years, 30 to 35% of their workforce is set to turn over. And so as owners, the earlier you get to that process of planning your exit or retirement or your transition strategy, the better you can to take advantage of actually exiting on your terms. And so if you're an owner and you wake up and you're already in your mid-70s and you need to sell tomorrow or you have a distressed situation, 
that's going to look very differently versus if you actually have an exit strategy over a period of time that you meticulously help put in place. And then when you're ready to retire, you can actually enjoy that process and not to worry about the other stuff that's coming along. So to answer your question, okay. the sooner the better. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, do you guys get, get paid by a commission when it sells or, or is it a, like what, 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 what does it, what does it look like for me when I, when I bring you on, how, how do I pay you? Sure. So one way we're a little different than maybe some of our competitors is as agency focus, we don't act as a business broker. Uh, there are some in our space that they do act as a broker and they can do the valuation services and some exit planning and their revenue model is often tied to a commission of the sale price of the agency. We are really advisors on a fee based. So it's almost the same as like a, a commission or versus a fee based uh, financial advisor that you might hire. We come in, we charge either an hourly rate or a project rate to either do evaluation, to do other projects to help the agency owner understand the components and value of their agency, or they hire us on a contractual basis, say as a fractional CFO, to again, measure the financial performance and help implement things over time. We work on a fee basis. So for some owners, it can be uh, you know a relatively small fee to analyze their book of business, or if we're engaged in a CFO capacity, you know, it's either a monthly or quarterly engagement over a period of a couple of years. Okay. So the, the, the fractional CFO service. Um, so I'm guessing your average agency, unless they're significantly sizable, doesn't really have a CFO. No, they don't. They, they likely have maybe a controller, maybe a bookkeeper, right? Or maybe they just outsource that, that whole thing. So, so, so what... What what can the fractional CFO service do, do do for us? That's a fantastic question. And actually, I want to ask you a question around that too. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, so we often see that the value that we try to pose to owners is once you get to a certain size, your need for administrative staff becomes a lot more prevalent. And so whether that's hiring an operations manager, you mentioned a controller, a dedicated bookkeeper, you know, those needs kind of evolve and develop over time. And so the reason we offer a fractional CFO services, so in order to provide executive level or C-suite support for an agency that might not otherwise hire, you know, $100,000 or $150,000 position, we can distill very valuable takeaways from your financials and other metrics to help the agency owner make very actionable decisions without the increased or really the, the huge cost. So that's next question I have for you is like, what stage do you normally see from a recruiting standpoint People might be hiring administrative staff. In the middle of the podcast. Um, I think that the, the trickiest point is the, 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 the producer who has been successful and has not yet brought in their first CSR. Okay. Because it's going to be a massive hit, right? And, 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 the, and the market is so tight and... And uh, service uh, experienced insurance service people have become very expensive in, in, in both with a combination of, of the generational piece. So we, we, so historically, account managers come from uh, co, 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 come from uh, high school educated women who get hired into agencies, taught insurance. They become the lifeblood of the agency, and they stay forever. Yeah. And that demographic is disappearing. 
right? Uh, w women have really out-educated themselves compared to men for the last, like, 15 years. And it's become very, very hard. <laughs> Excuse me. It's becoming very, very hard to 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 find them. Uh, and uh, many agencies are uh, that are that are a little bigger that do have you know ten fifteen people are dealing with kind of the cliff that you mentioned, where like their entire service staff is looking to retire in the next few years, and for the first time that maybe they haven't hired for for the last ten years because they've had the same people for a long time and they haven't had growth of that level. Uh, and now they're looking at, 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 at the market, trying to, trying, to, trying to prepare to replace those people when they retire. And the replacements are going to be a lot more expensive yeah. uh, in a remote first world. Uh, it's hard. It, it's very hard for a, for a small agency. A and I don't pay too much attention to, to at what point they bring kind of a finance, finance slash accounting uh, help. Uh, if I had to... Yes, it doesn't look like 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 only the larger ones, basically. Yeah, yeah. And to kind of add to what you just said about a trend that you've seen where the experienced staff versus hiring green is becoming a bigger gap, we see that with our clients on a regular basis. Where service level staff they're shifting more to green positions to bring people on, actually train them up in that experience. But even in the administrative staff. So a little bit about my background. I started in finance and operations for a regional agency that was about 125 million in revenue. And so my job was financial reporting and building up the reporting capabilities for the regional management to understand the financials and then producer performance and a few things within that realm. We sold to a much larger agency uh, that I assumed some other project management and analytic roles. Um, but the interesting thing is like, for me, what was normal was having a full suite of administrative staff, like operations manager and financial staff, et cetera. So now working with smaller independent agencies, you see this progression of at what level do they need that support? But back to your comment about more green service staff, even administrative staff within agencies is a trend that we're seeing. They're hiring from outside of the industry to come in to agencies to fulfill those roles and they don't have the industry experience. So like, for example, a few of our clients have actually hired us to where if they hire a new controller or even their own CFO, and they're from another industry. They might be from telecom or even technology or some other space where they have the, the uh, experience for that role, but it doesn't necessarily translate to an agency operation. And so they'll actually bring us on to work with that person over a period of time to show them how financials work for an agency, how you actually understand KPIs for an agency to measure for your financial performance. And so it's almost like a small CFO accelerator program. Well, they won't hire us full time, but they'll kind of bring us in on a project basis to get their own CFO up to speed or their own operations manager up to speed to understand the agency operations. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, if, if you're bringing in somebody who, uh, into a leadership who, who does not come from, come from insurance, uh, this makes so much sense because otherwise you're setting them up in a very tough situation. Insurance is so different from just about any other, any other industry. I had no idea that this was this was a thing. Mm -hmm. That that is, that is pretty cool. That 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 makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So like the CFO discipline's are are consistent. So like a controller or CFO, they're worried about the financial performance. They're worried about cash flow mm -hmm. for the agency to maintain expenses, not running in the red. Uh, but there are nuances, kind of like I said, specific to the industry. Like how do you time revenue between direct bill and agency bill? 
or actually using your budget for your commission income versus looking at your contingency or profit sharing income, right? The different ways that the, the money comes in and the money goes out, there is some nuance in the insurance and that's kind of how we step in to help them understand. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. All right. Uh, it sounds like you can work with agencies regardless of size. So like the mom and pop shop with one CSR uh, all the way to, to something larger that actually has a significant amount of staff and, and is looking to sell. We do, yeah. And thank you for recognizing that because that's one way we try to differentiate ourselves away from our competitors or others in our space is, uh, I won't name them, but if I said the names of other advisory firms, everyone would know them. They help with mergers and acquisitions or financial benchmarking for bigger agencies. One way that we're different is we actually do try to work with smaller agencies. So the benchmarking reports you may see oftentimes will reference agencies above a million in annual revenue. But when you actually back into the stats, 80 to 85% of independent agencies across the country are under that 1 million in revenue. So essentially four out of five agencies don't really qualify for a lot of those M&A or those other advisory firms and the services that they offer. So our goal is to step in for those scratch agencies or agencies that are in growth mode that want to understand what the big boys do and how they actually measure their performance and help them translate that into things that are actionable for a smaller family agency that is trying to get there. Fantastic. F fantastic. Um, so for, for, for listeners that are interested, what, what is the best way to connect? What is the best way to learn about what you guys do? Sure. So uh, Agency Focus, it's agency-focus.com, or you can follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn. Our, again, our two kind of core services are agency fair market valuations. We'll come in and help uh, appraise and understand the fair market value of the agency based on the plans that you might have. And then the fractional CFO services, or even distilled down to simple budgeting services, we can step in for agencies and help with that. Um, you can contact me on LinkedIn or on us on our website. Um, my associate, Carrie Wallace, people may be very familiar with, she started HC Focus. And then I've been with her and helping for the last six, going on seven months now. And uh, it's been going really good. So, but to answer your question, you can check out our website. Uh, we started posting a bit of uh, content and blog posts that we'll be putting a lot more out. Um, and also connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, you follow Carrie and myself, uh, traveling and speaking at different events or agency conferences. And uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to follow us. What conference, that's a good point. What, what conferences do you recommend for, 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 for the smaller agencies, for the agency tar targets, uh, for the target agents that you guys go after, kind of the, the smaller agency, what conference are, are, you, are you attending that you thought would really, really useful for them? Sure, sure. So we are really good partners and work closely with all the state big eye associations. And so I would first and foremost recommend if your state has a big eye association, get connected. Uh, there's a few states that have a lot of activity, but for the most part, from national all the way down to the state level, there's a lot of coordination and a ton of resources available for agencies of all size. That's very valuable. And so your local big eye association might have luncheons. They probably have an annual conference, uh, probably a young agents group that meets once a year or a couple times mm -hmm. a year. And so recommendation would be to connect with your big eye association, the conferences that they have. And then most states now, there's, there's different conferences available for either technology. There have been a couple like uh, Asian Indie Tech and a few others that have popped up recently that focus strictly on. Just about like two weeks ago, yeah. yeah. So independent agency focus. And uh, I think that's one of the 
awesome things about being an independent agent right now is the availability of value resources, conferences and networking, mastermind groups. It's just growing. Like it's just getting better. And so uh, even the trend that we've seen recently is you also ask, do you think the trend of independent agencies is either decreasing or increasing? Uh, I know a lot of them are getting acquired. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, the independent agent's not going anywhere. That that's for sure. Uh, and uh, we we're now eight years into InsureTech, something like that. And at first, InsureTech was all about about disintermediated the agent, and and it, that's not the case anymore. They they're all trying to work with the agent now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you all firsthand, seeing that trend as well, because um, for a brief stint, I spent two years at a regional carrier working in their agency relations department, helping to revamp their marketing communications and connecting with agents in ways that are meaningful. And I can tell you from what I've seen, the networking that I did and the projects that we accomplished, most carriers uh, will probably give the insight that they'll dip their toe in direct to consumer, but oftentimes it's really just to learn about consumer behavior and that most larger carriers really do have the intention of working with independent agents because they know that is the primary and most valuable way to distribute their policies. And so, uh, but to get back to the question, so over a period of time, the trend was decreasing, but um, around 2020, 2021, the trend for the number of independent agencies has actually been on the uptick for a couple of different reasons. Usually people associate with, uh, I'll tell you firsthand, oftentimes when there is an agency that sells to maybe a larger broker, um, it's not uncommon for the owners to stick on through their earnout period and then over a period of time realize they don't want to work there anymore. And so they'll live out their non-compete and then a few years later they'll probably open their own agency again. Or what's been a more recent trend is agencies that are in the captive space. So the all states, the state farms, you know, the others of the world. Lots of them are going independent, yeah. Are now shifting over to the independent side. And so mm -hmm. that has been a massive uptick again just within the last few years. And so. Um, the opportunity to become an independent agent has always been phenomenal, and the resources to help support them through this process now is, again, just getting better by the day. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Colby. Um, yeah, the, the great, great information. That the, 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 uh, I'm, I'm so glad somebody's doing this for the smaller agencies because it, 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 it is hard. It is. Uh, and and I, I run into it fairly often where, where like they are big enough that they need help, and too small to, to, to be able to, uh, to bring in that help. Thank you. I think that's one of the reasons I even stepped into the space to, to kind of go on my own and join with carries because to try to take the big broker experience and again, distill that down to where it's really valuable and easy to take action on for family agencies that, that want to grow or get to the next level. And so, um, again, I spent a little couple of years time at the carrier as well, working directly with agents. And it's always interesting to see how, small agents have very, very huge heart <laughs> because they're trying to be valued to their community, to their family. Um, and they want to also do what's best for their employees, but their clients. And, uh, and if we can help again, provide value to that and, and help them accomplish their goals. That's the whole reason for we do what we do. Fantastic mission. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Tony.